champion's entrance, guys. The Inner Circle Choir providing the soundtrack for Le Champion and John Moxley colliding. Santana, Ortiz with their boss. They got a lot of stake here too. Lifestyles change when you're not the champion. When you don't have the championship money. Three days ago, in the ring, the weigh-in, and you see the result, the mark on the bridge of his nose, between the nose and the left eye. Yeah, that vertical cut took seven stitches. From a headbutt. Yeah. But here's the thing. The champion's here. He's sewed up. He looks at this as just another challenge. But that is not just another challenger. A match not just for revenge, not just for a world championship, but possibly for control of the future of AEW. Hello and welcome to week 21 of the WWE versus AEW podcast. I am your host, Daniel, as ever. Slight delay on this one again, but we're still here. That's it. You can't let your personal life get in the way of wrestling and, more importantly, podcasting. But, sort of as this week, last weekend I went to Craven Cottage. Well, basically this show is going to be pretty much reviewing the Revolution pay-per-view last Saturday. And would you either believe it? Where was I last Saturday on the day of Revolution? Spoiler, did not watch this show live. I was at the home of Tony Khan's Fulham FC Craven Cottage watching his team beat my Preston North End 2-0. So yeah, fuck Tony Khan. No, joking. So yeah, um, so, so I just want to say sorry about the podcast being late, but there is some pretty important reasons for that, but whatever, whatever, they are not important. So week 21. Now, I personally thought that the, the television shows, last week's television shows weren't, Aside from that Kenny Omega versus Pac match, which was, for me, the second best televised match in AEW history, apart from that one, um, I don't think there was a lot going on 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 really on either of the shows. NXT was okay, but not enough. I don't know, I didn't feel like... I don't know, you can tell, like, we're, like, eight weeks out from their pay-per-view, or maybe seven weeks out from their pay-per-view. And as for AEW, I felt like they'd done a lot of their work going home. Um, for this pay-per-view, actually the week before, obviously with um, that great Cody Wardlock cage match and the Hangman Page, Kenny Omega versus Lucha Brothers um, tag team match, that great match from last week. But the ratings, the ratings, let's be honest, AEW show has been a lot. The last six weeks of AEW has been a lot better than towards the end of Towards the end of 2019, a lot of people, including myself, if you go back and listen to some of those shows, we were heavily criticising AEW. There was a lot of things going on where the shows were alright, but it just felt like everything wasn't clicking, the stories weren't going in the right direction. And if you look back on those episodes, I said the main reason for this is the fact that, one, there is not enough pay-per-views. So, you can't have... I'm trying to think, so what was full gear, full gear was what, November, middle of November, yeah, so your next pay-per-view is Revolution three months later, so really you're not going to 
start getting into the proper build six or seven, until six or seven weeks out. You could do, but they didn't. A lot of the build was just building week to week on TV with no real final aim. So a lot of those shows at the end of November, all of December were just, they were just, do you know what I mean? They were just like exhibition shows. Didn't feel like they was going anywhere. I'm really hoping that doesn't happen um, going from Revolution to Double or Nothing, which there's there's a decent chance that that could happen. Hopefully it doesn't, because as I say, the shows have been so much better. But the ratings, the ratings have steadily been increasing. The Week 21 ratings, and it is a full house for January and February for the TV shows. Um, AW wins hands down yet again. I think that's 9-0 to zero for the year 2020 in terms of ratings. So the Week 21 ratings were AEW 865,000, NXT 717,000. So yet another victory for AEW on that. The shows itself, it obviously had the Kenny Omega um, pack match. If we said that was a really, really, really good TV match, one of the best TV matches you might ever see, really. Um, apart from that, there wasn't really too much going on. Um, the main event, main event in the show was obviously the weigh-in Chris Jericho, John Moxley weigh-in, which was fine. It was good. Do you know what I mean? But I felt like, but all the feuds going into Revolution had sort of already, they've already done enough build going into this. This was just. Maybe one show too many, but it was still really good. Um, as for NXT, NXT was, don't know, uninspiring, shall we say. Um, they've obviously set a lot of stuff up for Tampa, but I'm more excited for next week's um, edition of NXT rather than this week's one. Um, but yeah, so for me, the winner of the week, the winner of this week, I'm sorry, there's no other winner but AEW because the show that we're going to talk about next is revolution which for me this is one of the people might go oh whatever but in five years time 10 years time 15 years time people i think will look back at this pay-per-view and say that was one of the classic wrestling pay-per-views it's one of the best wrestling pay-per-views that i've seen um i didn't even watch it live i already knew who had won the main event i already knew who had won that main event when i came to watch the show i think it was tuesday Probably the latest I've ever watched a wrestling pay-per-view. That's how busy I've been at the start of this, well, this weekend. Um, anyway, um, but yeah, so into the pay-per-view itself. This was the first revolution, the first AEW pay-per-view from Chicago. Um, obviously, they've done all the shows at the Sears Center, but I'm led to believe that is not actually in Chicago, just on the outskirts. Um, but yeah, so the show itself opened up. I thought, I didn't watch the buy-in, Um so yeah, but I thought the show itself, I thought it was a weird choice of opener, um, Dustin Rhodes versus Jake Hager, usually for an opener, you're looking for a fast-paced, balls-to-the-wall match, and you probably weren't going to get that with these two, um, Dustin Rhodes obviously is towards the end of his career, but he can still work fine, and Jake Hager has always been a pretty average worker, if we're honest, um, he's, he's been taking it even more easy these last few years since leaving WWE, um, the story of the match was, I don't know, they, they obviously, the Dustin Rhodes broke Jake Hager's arm all those um, all those months ago, seems like ages ago now he did that in that vehicle, see what I mean, it's just too far back, you need more pay, you need more pay-per-views, but hey, let's get on with this, so yeah, Dustin Rhodes versus Jake Hager, it was alright, weren't it, it wasn't, I think this is this would have been better served being maybe third or fourth in the show, um, do you know what I mean? In between, say, two of the big matches, but it opened it. We had a lot of nonsense with Jake Hager's wife. 
Um, I don't know if she was just there to get a lot of heat. Um, who'd, but uh, it was all right. Jake Hager rightly got the win because really he's the big muscle of the inner circle. So you don't really want Dustin Rhodes going over him. Jake Hager gets the win with what seemed to be a new submission that was more like a headlock. Um, I don't really know what it was, to be honest. But hey, Jack Hager went over in this one. I went to... 0.75, two and three quarter stars on this one for you, those of you keeping up to date with star rating. Second, we had the match which for me should have opened the show, Darby Allen versus Sammy Guevara. Um, I don't even know what to say. This, this match was great. Great it was. They, they basically did loads of crazy spots on the outside before the match even started. Um, it was basically Guevara beat down on Darby Allen. He did a crazy, what was it, a 6.30 off the uh, top rope out to the outside through Darby Allen and through the table. Absolutely that was an amazing spot. But yeah, great match. Um it, it, it was just great. I think these two Darby Allen picks up the victory, but I think these two you're gonna see. I was sat watching this and I thought these two they're like your two homegrown AEW stars. Do you know what I mean? It's not like a, a John Moxley where you've took him from WWE. It's not even like a Kenny Omega Young Bucks who had already established themselves. Let's be honest, a year ago, a lot of people would have been wondering who Darby Allen, who Sammy Guevara was. To be honest, I'd seen quite a lot of Sammy Guevara's PWG work. Darby Allen, not so much. Um, he was on a progress show in New Orleans. Was it New Orleans? Yeah, New Orleans. I'm sure he got injured and got took out halfway through like an eight-man scramble match. Uh, progress show, but what I'm saying is a lot of people might not have been too familiar with these two until AEW gave them the spotlight, and they're probably, for me, two of the biggest breakout stars from AEW. I can see them; they have great, clearly have great chemistry in the ring, and I can see them having, see them having year after year, match after match, and I'd be all up for that. They've got a great dynamic. Obviously, Darby Allen hugely over as a babyface, and you've got Sammy Guevara, the cocky heel prick that, yeah, the Spanish god that just works out great. So, yeah, they had a really, really good match. To be honest, with, with their age and inexperience, they've obviously, they're not used to working with each other. I think their matches are only going to get better. So, yeah, I would like to see this feud, well, maybe not continue, but definitely, definitely, carry, do you know what I mean, take place again at some point, and I'm sure it will. But next we have, wow, we have what I am telling you I mean, you can play this back at the end of the year and I'll be shocked if I'm wrong. I'm telling you, this match is and will be the best match and number one in everyone's match of the year list for 2020. If another match beats this, I want to see it because right now my match of the year before this was Okada versus Naito from the Tokyo Dome. This was leaps and bounds ahead of that match for me. It was, I'm not Dave Meltzer where I'm going to go higher than five stars, but if there was ever a six-star match, seven-star match, this was it. This was incredible. The storytelling, not only was the action probably the best action, sheerly for moves, um, no botches, craziness that you're ever going to see, it was also amazing storytelling. I think the more involved in the story between the Elite, dating back to when the Elite was like sort of at war um, back in New Japan two years ago, if you know everything that's gone on since AEW started, you've watched the evolution of Hangman Page, um, the sort of dialogue he has with Kenny Omega, interaction he has with Kenny Omega, you will have been hooked on everything in this, and I certainly was. It was, I don't know, I was sat there, do you know what I mean? Like, I've not really watched any wrestling for five days, obviously I had a busy weekend, um, 
been to London and back, nursing a bit of a hangover, you could say. Um, but I'm watching this, and I think the first two matches, the first one was fine, the second one was really good, but I'd not watched anything that hooked me. And I'm watching this, and I'm literally, I'm on the edge of my seat, legs crossed, willing on every move. They, they got me desperately wanting Hangman Page and Kenny Omega to retain the belts. I was living and dying by every move in this match. I felt like normally you can have a match where the first 10 minutes maybe aren't, do you know what I mean, that great, and then it gets going in the last 10 minutes, 15 minutes were amazing. This was unbelievable from the start. Everything from Hangman Page spitting in Matt Jackson's face to just Matt Jackson beating down on Hangman Page. I mean, I'm not going to go through every spot, but Hangman Page does like a moonsault to the outside where he lands on both feet. It was just amazing. They just indie taker on the ramp. Matt Jackson doing the triple suplex spot to Hangman Page. And then Hangman Page flying in with his bookshot lariats. The, what was it? The reverse Frankensteiner from the top rope. I'm not a moves guy, but I mean, these some of these are so memorable. Off the top of my head, I'm naming all these moves out there. So that is how memorable these was. There was countless times I thought this match was over. Um, the the spot, my, I think my favourite spot of the match was the... Uh, it was what Kota Ibushi and Kenny Omega did, where I think they like boot the guy in the head. They did this to Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega powers out at one, and normally I'm not a big fan of how they use these spots in wrestling, but the way he does it, Kenny Omega powers out at one, literally just unleashes to the crowd, and that crowd went from sitting down and enjoying the match to the entire arena rolled, just going crazy. It panned to that one guy in the crowd who had that shot look on his face. Uh, it was just amazing. You can tell by how fondly I'm talking about this that it was just... I can't see anything topping it. I can't. Anyone... I don't know if you didn't enjoy this match. I'd, do you just not like AEW? Do you just hate wrestling? Do you just hate life? I, I think you're watching the wrong sport if you didn't enjoy this match because it's one of the best matches I've ever seen. It was that good. One of the best matches I've ever seen. I... I Anyone ask me what's the best wrestling match you've seen, I'd say Kenny Omega versus Okada. Um, but overall, for terms of enjoyment of a match, I'm thinking Rock Austin, Mania 17, and this. Obviously, Rock Austin wasn't the best technically, but excitement-wise and interaction-wise, it was incredible. And this, it's something I'd happily go back and watch. I might, like, for Kenny Omega or Okada, that 75-minute match, I might think, hmm, do I want to dedicate 75 minutes to go through this again? Maybe in a few years. But this match, I could happily put on now and watch it. It was amazing. An amazing, amazing match that... I don't know. Like, this is the theme of this show is WWE versus AEW. I'm not quite sure if we would get a match on that... Quite on that level in WWE. Certainly not in WWE. Maybe on NXT, but I'm yet to see it. This was better than any NXT match in history. It was. It simply was. It was a classic. Now, we have had... I think, for me, probably the best NXT match in history was Gargano versus Almas. Um, that NXT takeover the night before the Royal Rumble in 2018, I want to say. Yeah, that was, for me, the best NXT match. Obviously, a lot of people thought Gargano Champa in uh, New Orleans was the best match. Maybe Gargano Cole in New York. I was live for both of them matches. I don't think they were on the level of the Almas match, but or Andrade, as I should call him now. But this match, just incredible. I want to shout out to Excalibur as well. I thought he was great at 
bringing up points of the story. Um, he just did a great job pointing little things out that have happened along the way. For those people who might just be tuning in for the pay-per-view without knowing much of the build-up, as the theme on this show, week after week, Hangman Star, Hangman Star, sorry, Hangman Page is the biggest superstar in this in this company. He's one of the biggest stars in wrestling, if not the biggest star in wrestling at the moment. In six months, AEW have made a star on at the size that WWE have been trying to do forever. This guy, more over than Roman Reigns, he is. He is. I mean, I know like Roman Reigns might be like, Roman Reigns ain't over, but I'm sorry, Roman Reigns does get a huge reaction when he comes out, but it is nothing compared to this Hangman Page reaction. Just incredible. Um, the, the spot where, what, what I'm trying to think what happened, Kenny Omega gets one of the Jacksons up for one winged angel, and they kick out, the crowd go crazy, so Hangman Page, he picks up, might be Matt, I want to say Matt, may I, may, I can't remember, picks up, um, we'll say Matt for um, the one winged angel takes it off Kenny Omega kick out, I would have maybe ended it there but the ending, Hangman Page leaps to the outside, leaps back in bookshot Larry on both of the books one, two, three, Hangman Page and Kenny Omega retain the title, I'm so glad they didn't do a turn um, I think they've learnt the lesson from the Cody Rhodes MJF stuff um, by not doing that turn maybe a little bit too soon for me, I wouldn't be turning Hangman Page. Wouldn't be turning him at all. I'd have Kenny Omega, like I spoke about last week, be the one who turns heel. But you don't even need to do that at any point soon. I mean, I'd think maybe now with how over Hangman Page is, you maybe have, you maybe have Hangman Page win the belt. Not double or nothing, a bit too soon. But maybe at all out, have Hangman Page challenge for the belt. Maybe have Kenny Omega cost him the belt in a match with John Moxley at all out, something like that. But it'd just be great to see. Um, how it had gone from Hangman Page not getting much of a reaction in his match at All Out the previous year against Chris Jericho to a year later getting a hero's reaction in his match for the title. But hey, that's fantasy booking, none of that. But another shout-out. This match I'm thinking, amazing, but the thing at the end just topped it off for me where Hangman Page has both hands on the top rope and he's teasing, so subtly teasing. The books roll out the ring and he's so subtly teasing the bookshot Larry on Kenny Omega but he doesn't do it. He doesn't do it. Again, he just turns around Kenny Omega. He's like, come on, Kenny, let's go. Arms around Kenny Omega, getting a beer. Just, this match is why I love wrestling. Just, ugh, speechless, speechless. Five fucking stars, best match of the year. If any match is going to beat it, I can't wait to see it. Uh, next, we had Nyla Rose defeating Chris Statlander. I wasn't paying much attention to this, if I'm honest. I felt sorry for him that they had to follow one of the best matches in history. But, hey, someone had to do it. I don't think many people cared about this match going in. It was sort of thrown together. Um, I didn't care about it. It didn't need to be on the card. But these days, you have to have a women's match on the card, apparently. Um, but... Hey, they had a big job following the match before. It was all right. From what I watched, it was... Yeah, I wasn't really interested. With AEW's women's division, people saying, oh, it's improving for me. Nah, just doesn't do anything for me at all. There's no one in it I'm really interested in. I, I don't mind Rio. Britt Baker's been doing all right. But Big Swole, Chris Statlander, they've not really done much for me so far. I mean, people can say, oh, you against women's wrestling, but I'm not excited. The women are probably the most entertaining thing in WWE at times. Um, but yeah, next 
we have Cody versus MJF. I love the video package going into this. A lot of people have seen burying Cody Rhodes' entrance that Downstate played. I enjoyed it. I love the uh, big time. It makes it feel like a big pay-per-view, like at WrestleMania, when they have people singing in um, entrances. I always remember as a kid, well, maybe not as a kid, a teenager, watching Motorhead playing Triple H, stuff like that. Further back, WrestleMania 17, was it Drowning Pool playing in The Undertaker? Drowning Pool, Limp Biscuit, one of those? Drowning Pool? Oh, great memories. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. Cody comes out with his team. We have MJF just being a dick, swilling people in the guy, uh, swilling people in the crowd. Um, he knocks someone's cap off, just stuff you know I'm not really used to seeing these days. Um, but the match itself, I've seen a lot of people quite low on this match, but for me, I thought it was really good. I mean, I wasn't, ho- I didn't want to, want to watch this for a great technical masterpiece. I wanted to see some great storytelling. I thought we got that. We had MJF biting Cody's toe because Cody broke his toe in the cage. Um, I love the spots where like the ref was allowing Cody to get like a belt shot on MJF. That just shows what a dick MJF is. It was just great. We have all the stuff with Brandy and Arn. Um, I-, I thought this was brilliant. I really enjoyed it. Um, I think I went about 3.75. I just thought it was amazing storytelling. And the bit at the end where I was ready for Cody to win, I was convinced Cody was going to win. And that bastard, that bastard MJF picks up the three, nails Cody with a diamond ring. And honestly, in wrestling these days, you will always get people cheering the heel. No matter who he is, even if it's just like a section. But when MJF, if you go back, when MJF covers Cody... Yeah, there's no one, two, three. It's just, it's like back in the day you'd have like. Do you remember when Triple H was like a heel, and uh, he had that hot title reign where he just cheat and win every match, and even JBL, and you just, you could, I can just picture Earl Hebner going one, two, three to like Jr. screaming and just a quiet crowd, not wanting that to happen. And this was exactly the case. It brought back memories of the two thousand and three golden age shall we say maybe not of triple h's title reign of doom but yeah great stuff the right person won just thought it was really good i'm surprised people went higher on this match speaking of really good orange cassidy versus pack orange cassidy i think people who were like oh what is this guy realized that this guy can work a match in this he you could tell even jr warmed to it he really did there was just just some great oh Orange Cassidy does some of this stuff with his hands in his pocket. is great. Um, this was the crowd were maybe hotter for this match than anything on the show, including the tag match. So you could tell Pac really enjoyed the match. He was like, I don't think he was expecting it to be so over, especially considering its placement on the show. This is going second to last in between two of the biggest. It's going smack bang in the middle of two of the two of the biggest feuds that have been building for months. So and this. This wasn't a big, long, drawn-out build. It had maybe one, two weeks. But in the end, Pac gets the victory. Uh, I would have liked Orange Cassidy to win, but you can completely see why Pac wins. One day, Orange Cassidy's going to get a win, and the crowd is going to erupt. Um, but yeah, the Luchas come in. They attack um, Best Friends and Orange Cassidy after the match. We'll see where that's going. Uh, maybe an alliance with Pac. Who knows? Um, but yeah, the match itself, really good, memorable match. Um, crowd loved it. I think I went three and a half on this one. Um, another just memorable. Everything about the show's just been 
it's not match after match. I like the bits in between. There's nice little like even before this match, there was like it was like telling us why the feud was happening. So if you've come into this completely blind, you understand what's going on. Sometimes like it's just get the two wrestlers out there. Let's have a match. I'm thinking of New Japan. I'm thinking of WWE. But this it just it was like this pay per view reminded me of a classic. 2099 WWF pay per view, but better, but better, better wrestling. But the, all the stuff building into it, the atmosphere, one of the best pay per views of all time. Um, next, Jericho versus Moxley for the AEW title. Going into this, I was wondering who was going to win. I'll be honest, I wasn't sure. I really didn't want Jericho's title reign to end, but I wasn't sure how they was going to have Moxley lose. And they went with Moxley. I'm going to be honest, I was sad. The reign of Le Champion is over. It has been, for me, one of the best title reigns in recent memory. Trying to think of a better title reign. I don't know, you've got to go back a long way, maybe. I don't know, CM Punk? CM Punk, Daniel Bryan didn't really have any memorable title reigns. He had a few memorable title wins. But as for reigns, last few years of WWE, I can't really think of anything. Um... Kevin Owens, Chris Jericho, maybe. Kevin Owens' title reign was memorable mainly because of Chris Jericho. Maybe CM Punk when he was healed, but man, that was just that wasn't really memorable, I'd say. Well, I suppose it was because of the length of it, but I don't know. I don't know what title reign you can I can really think of. Anyone? Hey, tweet us in, tweet us in, DM me. Drop me a message. Think of what was the last memorable title reign in wrestling except this Chris Jericho one. I know a lot of people have been saying, oh, Carter, but I'm on about, like, American WWE or AEW theme of the show. Obviously, New Japan have memorable title reigns, but not for, like, the segments. That's more for memorable matches like Okada's. Um, but, yeah, now, the match, I thought... I love the entrance. Chris Jericho's entrance with his gospel choir was unbelievable. Um, Fozzy, it has literally become the biggest and best theme song in wrestling along with Will Ospreay's Elevated. I do like Cody Rhodes' theme. I do like Bray Wyatt's theme, if I'm honest. But this theme at the moment, the crowd serenading to it, the choir singing to it, it was just brilliant. Um, Jericho's entrance was, for me, the favourite part of the match. I think the match itself wasn't great. I thought it was a very professional world title match. I think that's the best thing I can say about it. I don't know if because we'd seen so much action beforehand, sort of getting a bit tired, I don't know. Maybe it was just me. I felt like the crowd were a bit quieter um, after everything they'd seen before. But I felt like there was a bit too many bells and whistles after we'd just seen that Cody Rolls MJF match, only two matches before. I think if he was going to do so many bells and whistles, maybe have the Cody, 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 Cody MJF match either first or second on this show. Because um, it felt like all I'd seen was a Bells and Whistles match, an Orange Cassidy match, and then another Bells and Whistles match. And it was a bit... This wasn't as good as Cody MJF. Um, obviously, Aubrey Edwards did a great part in this match. I loved how she was sending him to the back. Great. It was just... They were just... I felt like they was plodding along a lot in this match. Um, obviously, the end comes with Moxley taking his eye patch off, revealing that he was just pretending about his eye for the last few weeks. It was nice, it made sense, but I wanted to see when he took the eye patch off, I wanted to see that big facial from Chris Jericho of shock, and I think we only got a second of it. I wanted it to be, like, more played up, but, hey, Moxley 
wins the match and wins the title. I think it was too soon. I'm going to be honest, I do think it was too soon. I don't wouldn't have took the title off Chris Jericho yet. Um, maybe Chris Jericho's going on tour. Who knows? Um, but yeah, all I can think at the end of this match was yeah, a lot of people happy for Moxley. The pop wasn't as big as you would have hoped for the title change. It was still a decent pop. But it wasn't huge. I'm sad Jericho isn't champion, but we've got the memories of Le Champion. Um, the show ends with John Moxley's speech. I don't even know what to say about this. It was sort of like one of those speeches you'd see after the show's finished, not while the cameras are still rolling. I remember Moxley did one. I was at Raw uh, in Brooklyn the night after Mania 35, and he sort of did something like this then um, with Roman and Seth in the ring, but best moment of it when he's talking about he's won the belt for the AEW fans he loves he loves being an AEW and he's off to drink some beer he's thinking of something else to say and he plays music he plays music and he looks shocked and he goes hey what the fuck <laughs> just prop it out really good to crack me up great end to the show and then he comes back and he's like oh I'm making this as I'm going along I'm off to drink some whiskeys and he leaves through the crowd with the belt Great ending to a great show. I'd say Moxley Jericho match itself was I'd probably got about three, three or three and a quarter stars. Um, I'm not sure how great a match you can get from Chris Jericho at this point. He's one with Tanahashi was really good though, so maybe Jericho and Moxley have never really had great matches together. But this well this match didn't need to be a great match. It was more about the story, more about the ending. Um I don't know. It was just the Moxley speech proper cracked me up. But yeah, that was the pay-per-view gone off air. Um, and what a great show it was. We had one of the best matches ever on the show. We had a really good Cody MJF match. Really good Orange Cassidy pack match. Really good um, Darby Allen versus Sammy Guevara match. It just felt big. Felt big. Really, really great pay-per-view. If they still made DVDs and Blu-rays, Tony Khan, if you're listening, I want some of these DVDs and Blu-rays. I still collect these things because I don't trust nobody with these networks. The WWE Network, that thing could go any day and I'd be sat there with, what, WrestleMania 17, fire, dodgy purposes. But hey, get them out on Blu-ray. Do you know what I mean? There is a market for that, but if there was, I'd be buying the show on Blu-ray, sticking it in my collection. Wrestling fans love collecting things. Don't forget that. Don't overlook that or underestimate it. Bring back the DVDs. But hey, um, yeah, great show. Classic show. And I can't wait for Double or Nothing. I am worried the TV is going to drop. Hopefully because they're building up for this blood and gut show um, in New York at the Prudential Centre. It doesn't. But I do fear that they might just do some run-of-the-mill shows coming up. And they don't want to do that because they've got so much momentum at the moment. Um, so much momentum um, but yeah so that was it that was Revolution AW Revolution 2020 review um, there was basically no NXT talk on this show because I'll save that for next week I don't have a lot to talk about really I suppose next week's show NXT might be a bit bigger because we're rolling forward to NXT TakeOver Tampa but without doubt the winner of week 21 of the Wednesday Night Wars is AW for delivering one of the best pay-per-views of all time um so yeah that's it that's the end of the show um thanks everyone for listening to this review of revolution we'll be back next week to talk about dynamite and nxt and maybe some of the matches heading towards nxt takeover tampa which we will be at but in the meantime 
Sign up www.patreon.com forward slash neutral wrestling. Check us out on YouTube, just search neutral wrestling. We're also on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Just simply search neutral wrestling. Find us on Twitter at neutral res. I'm on there, Daniel at neutral wrestling, or follow the WWE versus AEW Twitter. For the moment, though, I'm Daniel, and I will speak to you next week for week 22 of the Wednesday Night Wars.